Welcome to Getting Into Good Trouble, where we trouble your mind with troubles from around the world. I'm Aubrey, and today we're talking about the early history of China and how it affects their current mindset. Now it's time to welcome our host, Emma Dickey. She will interview students on their views about Chinese history. Aiden, remind me, how did we get so interested in the history of China? Well, it all started when we were in the middle of a drill during class. So we started to whisper about the latest developments in the conflict between Hong Kong and China, which was the topic of our previous podcast. We were proposing many different questions about why Hong Kong and China can't resolve the conflict. When Aubrey asked, Why does China believe that they won't benefit from compromise? And how come they think they have to have complete power and control? We were very curious about this question, so we decided to look into the history of China, which brings us to why we're here today. We will provide some background information. China is named after the Qin Dynasty. Qin Shi Huang, the first official emperor of China, declared the Great Wall of China to be built, developed land and language, and had the terracotta warriors made. Despite all of his accomplishments, he ruled with an iron fist and killed anyone who opposed him. Even though Qin Shi Huang ruled with an iron fist, not many people opposed him since it was a prosperous time for China. As long as the people have what they need and China is prosperous, the people are not likely to oppose autocratic rule. China also has many important inventions, such as the compass, paper, gunpowder, and most importantly, silk. The Han Dynasty's Kublai Khan sent a Chinese ambassador to Europe and got back many goods which encouraged trade with Europe. The Silk Road connected Europe and Asia through trade, and the main draw to China was silk. The Romans loved silk so much, they paid for it like gold. Another important part of China's history is religion. Three of the most important religions in China's history are Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism. Although all three of them are very different, they all revolve around one central idea, which is peace. Back then, this idea of peace was very prominent and important to the people of China. But as the decades passed, China strayed further away from these peaceful philosophies and evolved into their old ways of dynastic ruling. Which leads us back to Aubrey's original question. How does China's history relate to the fact that in modern times, they often don't feel the need or don't see the benefit of listening to their people or trying to reach compromise? Can you connect the two, like ancient China and modern China, like patterns between the two? I feel like China has pretty much always had an authoritative government, so they aren't used to listening to people's opinions. And China is used to doing things how they want. If a government doesn't have to listen to people, will it be more effective? I guess that could be more efficient. I understand how that could be viewed as more efficient, but the decisions that could be made with an authoritative government won't take in the opinions and the ideas of the people. It makes people feel like they don't have a purpose or rights, so is being efficient actually better? It's almost like an authoritative mom saying, because I said so, and the child revolting, but at the same time, the child does not have any leverage. So you're saying China is like the mom in Hong Kongers or like the kids without any leverage? Yes, exactly. So has China ever been democratic? So yes, in 1912, there were elections in almost all provinces and a provisional senate was established. The ruling Qin dynasty was forcefully abdicated. After years of political instability, a one-party system was established, communist. It did prevent the people from voting until they were considered well-educated. Elections were attempted after the Second World War and after China regained Taiwan from Japan. But with the communist uprising and the fleeing of the nationalist government to Taiwan, no more elections were held in mainland China. In 1987, the martial law in Taiwan was lifted and democratic elections have continued to this day. China technically has elections, now, but all the candidates are from the Communist Party and have to be approved beforehand. Yeah, that's kind of like how revolts in Hong Kong started because of Joshua Wong not being able to run. 
Hey, does this relate to the story that came out yesterday from Great Britain? Yes, it does. China seems to be playing a game of 3D geopolitical chess. They're trying to create an us-versus-them situation with their loyal people, which will allow them to justify more security measures and other power control moves to a loyal population. Acts like these are dangerous for China and might cause the UK and other major powers to revoke economic ties with them. Wait a minute, what happened yesterday? A British diplomat was actually saying how when he was detained by Chinese government, and was beaten and them trying to find out information. So they think he's trying to help the protesters? Yeah, that's what's being alleged. Did we even answer the question? What was the question? We were asking like if ancient China has an influence on how China acts today. A lot of the upper middle class currently in China are actually quite satisfied with the communist regime because they're doing well. The same thing happened during the Qin Dynasty and many of the other authoritative time periods. Any other type of ruling is just like exotic to them and they're not used to it. Yeah, they probably won't change now since they've been with it for yeah. such a long time. If you already have power, there's no reason to give it up. Yeah. The thing is that for China, it's going to be like, why give up power when we've done this our whole, our whole lives? But then for the Hong Kongers, it's going to be like, why give up freedom when we've had this our whole lives? Yes. But at the same time, it's the young people that have been protesting. The young people in Hong Kong have had freedom their whole lives, so they don't really want to lose it at all. Our generations are going to make the changes. We yeah. are bringing change. These younger generations stepping up and being like, yeah. there needs to be change. Like, we're going to bring the change yeah. to the table. I think that uh, this shift has not only been recently. Back even in the 60s with the whole hippie movement, those were young people. A lot of the political movements today are being led by young people. Because we are the future. Because we are the future. Like, this is our future, and we don't want it being ruined. As a kid, you grow up with a person in your ear keeping just telling you what you're supposed to do and then when you grow up you finally have the ability to make your own decisions you're going to take that opportunity because probably for all those years that you've been under control you're finally ready to be free from all of the control because you start thinking for yourself and you start yes. thinking independently you think about your life and what your life has to come and we're what like, you want for yourself we're over it and we want to own our own future like. we don't want to think about what others want for us exactly and so um i believe that like democracy is more of a thing that allows everybody's voices to be heard, but authoritative government can be effective and efficient. But here's the thing, we know democracy is really messy and authoritative government is clean, but... What do you mean by clean? I, I mean like, efficient. You don't have to go through hearing everybody's opinion, you could just make a decision. There you go, it's changed. I understand what you mean by messy. It's a lot of like, back and forth. Okay, so this brings me back to voting. Because in America, everyone can vote. All of their voices can be heard, so I can see like why it's so hard. Like if I couldn't vote... I couldn't vote, I'd start a revolution. Now we can fully understand how and how long China has ruled successfully. This shows how China's history is affecting the Hong Kong protests today. Thank you all for listening, and thank you to our speakers, Aubrey, Emma, Mortz, Barrett, Jesse, and Aiden. See you next time!